0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Rave
1: reviews, Chris. People love to get inside your brain and learn a little bit from you. My uh, My parents watched it. My dad's a former football coach, loved every second of it. My mom fell asleep within the first uh, minute and a half. So it's a very specific audience that uh, that will eat up this video.
2: Oh, yeah. All right. Well, we're going to try to keep Ahmed's mom awake for this one, okay? We got a podcast. It's a doozy on a Monday morning. How are you? She must have been tired
1: because normally she does really
2: enjoy yeah.
1: the podcast. Yeah. But it was when we were doing the X's and O's, That's you a little the big much. board. Yeah. It was I too it. much for her.
2: Did she? I, well, I need to wake her up and go... Wait, you need to watch your son mumble and stumble all over some of these words. I will be yelling like at your a nervous, nervous son. quarterback. <laughs> he will look like a weirdo and an idiot uh, uh, here in the next 10 minutes. All right. She would stay up for you that. You good? Everything I'm good? I'm good. We're
1: back in person here. We're back in person, baby. Is it going to be less weird for you this time? Because last time we were here in person, it was yeah. the first time that you had done a show with another human right. next to you in probably, what, five months? Yeah. Right? Since March. And or... you said... That at a certain point, you were getting distracted by looking at my mouth moving, and Yeah, it just was weird for you.
2: No, I feel totally fine now. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's no big deal to be next to you. Uh, no, but it is. It's funny. It like broke the ice, though, and now I didn't even think about it until you just brought it up. And now we're back at it. Now you, we're back
1: at it. Your mind is back, uh, back there. Uh, we, we do have a lot going on in this one. This is, a, this is a fun one. And I'm getting like more energy as we get closer to the season, because for a while there, it was like we had the draft. Yes. And that was super exciting. And then the draft was cool. And then it was like, okay, now Now what? what? Are we going to have football? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it was a little bit of a lull. But now that we're back to practice, players are punching other players. I feel like that's really cool. You know it. Um, so I feel like I've got like a good feeling with uh, the next few pods we got here. We got an Ask Me Anything. Okay. So the homies once again compiled all those questions and took us places that we didn't even know that we would go. And so oh, there's a lot of good things there. Yeah. There's some obvious movie trivia. Oh, I love that it. Pete wanted uh, the homies to throw out there. I have not watched many movies right. in my life, and so. We're going to see if I can get these rudimentary questions correct. Right. I have not looked at them. Like I'm not rudimentary, them. very rudimentary. Rudimentary. From what I hear, we're going to give your favorite team on the offensive side of the football. We've talked about this a couple of times. Yeah. We're making a fake team. We're putting it in a city that doesn't have an NFL franchise. We're actually putting it in a state that has never had.
2: A franchise. A pro sports team, probably. Yeah, you're right? probably right.
1: right? Um, and we're going to fill it with your favorite players that are currently playing football. Good. I like that. Uh, so, all that to come. But, Chris, let's start with uh, the news, right? Earl Thomas cut by the Ravens. Uh, you talked about it with Mike on, on PFT. Kind of comes, I, I would say, not out of left field after the last couple of days yeah, what we've right, heard about him. Right, But this is a guy you signed four years, $55 million just last season. Uh, one of the best to ever do it at that position no doubt. back when he was with Seattle. And now you cut him. You you just set him loose. Um, What's your just initial reaction to to how this all went down there?
2: Well, wow. I mean, because I I think to what you're saying, like we didn't see this coming at the start of training camp. We weren't thinking like, ooh, there might be some issues. You know, usually you can tell when there's issues between a team and a player, whether it's money or they want to be traded or whatever it is, they're not happy. This one – there was no inklings of that, you know, and so I think that's the shocking thing. I think my, my biggest thing is this, all right, and, and, and again, let me say this just on the football aspect. I was shocked that the Baltimore Ravens signed him for as much money as they did last year. I was shocked. I know I said it on this podcast. I said it on PFT. You know, I had made some comments like, you know, Earl Thomas is no longer one of the top safeties in football. You know, I think that's the first thing I'd say to anybody out there listening right now you know, because, I, I, of course, this news happens this weekend. I'm watching all the the shows and the highlight shows and looking on, you know, the Internet and everything yeah. else. How many people are like, oh, my gosh, they're letting go of such a quality football player. You know, you don't just let a guy like Earl Thomas go. You don't let good players walk away. Listen, he's a Hall of Famer, as you said. He's a legend. He's awesome. That doesn't mean he's that right now, and I would say he's not that right now. He is not in that class of what we knew him to be with Seattle and I think that's why Seattle you know let him go down the road in, in test free agency and you know again last year we didn't really I, I mean Baltimore to this day is still the only team I heard that made any sort of like offer to the extent of like the kind of money he got from them this year. which is this strange you don't
1: just all of a sudden give someone four years and 55 million dollars right. unless you feel like there's competition for him out there So they got tricked. They they might have gotten tricked by the agent or or something happened. Crazy to
2: me. Crazy to me. Baltimore is, of course, one of the best-run organizations in football. Yeah. And they don't make mistakes like that very often. To me, yeah, the safety, was it a need? Okay, yeah, certainly. I don't think it was like, oh, my gosh, if they don't get some better safety play, they're screwed over. But yeah, they paid Earl Thomas like he was in the prime Earl Thomas and that's not where he's at anymore. So I think that's the first thing I would say to all those out there just from the 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 simple football aspect of it. I was always shocked that he was there yeah. signed for that money now. The second thing is like do you like you don't see these situations come about very often, right? I mean, Correct. you haven't seen them. You do you know how hard I mean, how much you have to be disliked by your team and the organization for them to get rid of you the way that they got just got rid of Earl Thomas? I mean, that, that just it doesn't happen. Not for a guy, especially that's a Hall of Fame type of football player. That
1: even if he's not at the level that he was, he's still significantly better. Than anything else you currently have on your roster.
2: Yeah. Well. Yes. I'm not going to say significantly better than anything they got on their roster. No. I'm not going to say any that. replacement for him. No? Oh, you okay. Don't think so? Maybe. I mean. Yeah. You know. Like. Okay. Experience-wise, he's definitely better than Deshaun Deshaun Elliott, who's the guy that's the the backup right. there right now. Yep. But like the physical ability-wise. No, it is, it is very, very, very middle of the road for Earl Thomas. It really is. So and you d- think,
1: like, ability-wise right now, Deshaun Elliott, what has he played, six games in his career, yeah. he's had injuries throughout right. his career, third year with them, could get up to speed and bring his level of production. They also got a guy that they drafted in the seventh round, Geno
2: Stone yeah, out of Iowa, right. that they kind of like there with his physical abilities. Um, but they got Jimmy Smith. They got other guys yeah. in the secondary that they can convert to safeties if they have to. Yeah. Certainly.
1: Well, so you don't feel like there's that much of a drop off with those guys who have very little experience. No,
2: no, not really. Other than like I said, the experience factor. Sure. You know the the quarterbacking of a defense. I mean, Earl's going to be, yes, light years ahead of them that way. He's going to be more comfortable in uncomfortable environments because of the experience and playing in Super Bowls and loud environments and all those things. Was he making it harder on the other defensive backs? Well, that's part of the rumors that are out there is that he would
1: freelance a little bit There's no much. doubt,
2: yes. I think that was a big issue. And, you know, the, the, the more you watch, and especially, you know, may I watch film and do all of that stuff – You know, the the physical explosion has just gone from Earl Thomas. So he's not a guy that you can necessarily want to play center field for his safety. He can't turn and run like he used to. So he's not as good sideline to sideline for go routes and things like that. His range is not nearly the same. Open field tackling, not as good as it used to be. You could see his speed's not the same. I mean, there's two gifts from him last year. One being tossed around by Derrick Henry, another one, him giving up on a play running after Nick Chubb, who's running for an 80 yard touchdown, right? So, you know, listen, four years ago, none of that happens. Earl Thomas tackles Derrick Henry, Earl Thomas runs down Nick Chubb. Not even close. So again, it doesn't make me proud to say those type of things, but I think because of the name and he's the household variety, and he came from the Legion of Boom, I do think people are over embellishing the talent of the player at this point of his career. Yeah. I do think that. Yeah, I don't think we're we're at we're at a very middle of the crop type safety as far as the NFL is concerned. And and to me, to, again, the big thing that's going to really, you know make flashing lights with the Earl Thomas. It didn't go smoothly when he left Seattle. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this is about as bad as it looks for an NFL team. Again, you have to be really disliked for a team to just basically part ways with you and really make no comments other than we're moving on. I think it was 17 words. I mean, there's no, like, hey, Earl did so many great things for organization. There was no, like – farewell send-off, oh, thanks for everything you did here. Yeah. I think their lack of saying things pretty much said it all, that they didn't want him here, that's all they're going to say about it, and it's over. And I don't want to let the team off the hook here because, uh, you
1: know, you, you, it's a lack of leadership. Some, it broke down somewhere, yeah. right? Whether you were not able to bring him into your environment, which from all that we've heard for the Ravens is that they have a great environment there. People like playing there. No doubt. And so it does seem to be very player-friendly. Uh, but there was a breakdown of leadership somewhere. You just couldn't get him to buy in. And if these were recurring problems, you were not able to nip them in the bud uh, until it got to the point where he's punching other players and you gotta, you got to walk away from a four-year, $55 million deal that has a lot of dead cap space Yeah, gives you a lot of problems now moving forward. So I don't want to take the team
2: completely But off I don't hook. think he bought into them. To me, and again, I don't There's know this. There's nothing
1: they could do, you think.
2: Well, just... I think the outside looking in, even going back to last year and him fighting with Brandon Williams early in the season. Sure. To me, it always looked like Earl was trying to instill his way or the Seahawk way, and Baltimore was like, no, timeout. We've been fucking awesome on defense for 20 years here. Just come in and be a part of us and be a good leader and a worker and – you know, we'll all hold each other accountable and things like that. And to me, it sounds like Earl was putting himself in his own little stratosphere of, mm-hmm. like, I'm better. I'm going to freelance and do those things. And that shit just doesn't fly with top alpha defenses. Just you in my You think he was able to be that guy with Pete Carroll in Seattle? A little bit. I think he could freelance a little bit, certainly, because the defense is simple in the Seattle scheme, so he always knew kind of where he had to be, where their weakness was, and He could get away with freelancing because he had three rockets up his ass in his prime of his career. Like, he was the fastest guy in the field in a lot of games he played in the prime of his career to where, yeah, if he was playing the middle safety position, he was supposed to, you know, cheat this way, right? Let's say Julio Jones is over here and he's supposed to cheat this way. Earl Thomas in his prime, he might turn this way, and make the quarterback think, oh, I'm going over here, but really kind of have his eyes and just waiting for the quarterback to make some move, and then he put his foot in the ground and fly over there like a missile. I mean, that's where he was great. Um, But, you know, yeah, just the way it went down, you know, even the the social media, I don't know if you saw the Instagram video that he put out, which first off, I would think is contract detrimental right there. You put practice film, they put practice film on his Instagram account. He's deleted it since because I'm sure his agent was like, dude, you can't put that out there. But even in the video, I don't know if you've really seen it, and it's hard to tell. He obviously has a breakdown playing middle of the field safety, lets an inside post go where he should have been over the top probably to help that guy who's covering this inside post deep crosser. he's underneath it and then you want the safety to be over the top of it, and the quarterback won't throw it because he's going to go, man, I have to make that too perfect or that's going to be an interception or a bam, bam, ball, pops in the air interception, right? Earl wasn't in the right place. To me, too, you know, the, the, the reaction of Earl on the video, I mean, to turn around and yell, rips his own helmet off, throws it and starts yelling at guys. Yeah. I mean, that's just not cool leadership anywhere in football. I mean, nowhere. I mean, that wouldn't go down anywhere, especially with a bunch of alpha male Baltimore Ravens guys. And then when you're the one in the wrong, that's going to really piss people off too. And we don't know this, but if he was in the wrong a lot already, a few times in camp and freelancing like the reports we're hearing, that stings more to those players. They're like, what? You're showing me up? You've messed up 74 times in camp already, and no one's done that to you. And now here you messed up and you're going to show us up. That, that's just not going to go over. And, you know, my last thing I'll say, just with defenses like this, because I got to be around it a little in Tampa Bay and with the Tennessee Titans even, but Tampa Bay especially, because they won the Super Bowl. It was Derrick Brooks and Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and yeah. Booker McFarlane and Rondé Barber and John Lynch. You know, none of them, even if Warren Sapp was a little bit of a pain in the ass, right, and not your, like, perfect Boy Scout none of them held themselves higher than the rest of the defense. They all knew they were going to have to do their part. They all knew they were going to have to be accountable to each other. John Lynch knew if he messed up, Sapp and Simeon Rice and Derek Brooks were going to look at him and be like, what the yeah. fuck are you doing, dude? And if Warren Sapp didn't play his gap in the run game, John Lynch and Derrick Brooks and Ronnie Burger were going to be looking at Warren Sapp going, what the fuck? That's your gap. And that's what a good defense does, and it just sounds like there was a little too much freelancing and they'd had enough of it. I mean, that might speak to a lack of other leaders on the defense
1: too, right? Where you had this other, other high-profile guys who could keep each other
2: accountable. Sure.
1: I mean, maybe Earl Thomas thought he was the only I, one. Maybe that he was did. doing that, on the, and that was his role to a certain extent. Well,
2: that's where you always—and this is a great question and a great point—and that's where you have to be careful about what kind, like these type of players. You have to be careful about their attitude and how they get infused into your locker room, right? Yeah. And how you know what what kind of guy are they going to be here? Because you're right. There's no Terrell Suggs there anymore. There's no Ray Lewis, so they don't have that guy. That's maybe that like, I've been here for 10 years, and this is how we do things. And you know, so maybe there was a little bit of that. Certainly, Uh, but to me, it also maybe they
1: did hope that Earl Thomas could bring.
2: Yes. Some of that, right? Some of that leadership, but obviously it didn't the go guy. the right way, and um, yeah, that that that's the issue. I had something else I wanted to say there, and but I can't remember I what threw it was. You off. We'll, I'll give it's you okay. a second we'll here. We'll figure to think it about out. It. Don't worry.
1: Um, so Pete wants to know where he would be if you did a hypothetical wide receiver. or I'm sorry, a, a safety ranking. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, it's he, d- he deep he, in the middle? Like, okay, you're talking
1: fifteen to twenty, maybe. And we're just
2: going to like thirty-two free safeties in football, sure. right? Yeah, we're just doing that. Yep. I mean, yes, it's very much in the middle. Listen, I, c- I can go through teams here right now and just go I mean, I can I mean I could do whatever way you wanted to. I could sit here and go through the NFC East and go well the pe- you yeah, know, I know yeah. you don't want it that just, way. But I'm gonna say here's two teams that I think can logically use him. All right, I'll sure. spread it out that way. Okay. Maybe the Jets. There's one spot there yeah. Then maybe, you know, but the kid they traded for Um, to to get, uh, you know, Jamal Adams and the guy they got back from Seattle. He's pretty talented. He's faster and more explosive than Earl Thomas is at this point of his career. So it's not like it's a shoo-in, but the Jets, okay, maybe. Dolphins, all right, I'll throw them in there. They got nothing like a proven commodity as far as the safety positions considered. The Browns maybe makes sense. I'm not sure I'm totally sold on it. They do have some veteran guys there. They did draft Grant Delpit. They got Carl Joseph, who's basically like Earl Thomas, but right. four years ago, really fast that way. But they do play the Seattle scheme. Joe Woods is there. He just came from San Francisco. That could make sense, maybe. Do you think that's important for him? I think that I think those Seattle scheme guys might like look at him a little differently to just go, like, man, he knows our defense. He'll get everybody in the right spot. I mean – gosh, she's one of the pioneers of this position for yeah. this defense, right? So I think there will be a little bit of a love affair between those real Seattle scheme guys. They'll be like, oh, I can have Earl Thomas. I remember in 2014 when he was the best. You know what I mean? They'll, yeah. they'll get caught up with that. The Texans maybe have a spot. The Colts and Jaguars, I think you could argue yeah. there, and they both run the Seattle scheme, all right? So there's, there's three teams of Seattle scheme. Um, I go to the NFC. Could go Eagles, maybe. It's a maybe with the Eagles. They really, Rodney McLeod is a better free safety than Earl Thomas. Now, not all teams have, like, that free safety, strong safety. Sometimes they just have two safeties, and both guys do both, right? Uh, Philadelphia is a little that way to where it's like, okay, you could have two Earl Thomases in that defense or two Rodney McLeods. Lions, Bucks. I look at those two to go, all right, yeah, there's a lot of unproven commodities in those two secondaries to where I could see maybe a Matt Patricia going, man, I don't. I don't trust my young safeties or some of these guys that are in here. I need to get somebody in here that can learn all my defenses and and do it all the right way. And then the Panthers and the Cardinals. I mean, after that, I don't see a whole lot of teams. And, listen, like I said, I wrote Texans maybe. I wrote Browns maybe. I wrote maybe one spot with the Jets. I wrote Eagles maybe. You know, so it's not as like – He's just not an upgrade for enough teams. No, it's not going to be an upgrade from enough teams. It is not. And, and, and like, again – um, I know this has been very negative on Earl Thomas. It doesn't make me. I know. There. Well, it doesn't make have me. Have you ever proud. met him before? Yeah.
1: Have you, you talked to him?
2: I have, but it, it did, doesn't make me was, proud did to say well this. Was go well when you talked to him. It was okay. I mean, you know, it was just a hi. How are you? That it was will it. not go
1: well next time. Probably if he's not. Seen, if he's seen
2: Probably us. not. I mean, but you but know. But it seems
1: like that's not unusual for him and his. Uh, interactions
2: well and and you know this is in my end I'm not unusual either I mean I just call it like I see on the football field and am I wrong sometimes yeah I am I mean as you know but but damn I I um I feel pretty good that I'm you know pretty spot on with my evaluation he's got a
1: it's a huge red flag for him for any that's going to be an issue going forward it's a huge red flag now because you look at the culture in Baltimore and be like man that seems like a pretty good culture there exactly if you were an outlier there and the team kicked you off um, and they didn't want you around, that's a problem. You hope that if you're the signing team that he's going to be able to learn from that because that really hasn't happened to him before, although you said it kind of did with Seattle. They ran him didn't out didn't go out in
2: the rest way. He so didn't go out. He, I mean, he gave Fra- Pete Carroll the middle finger, so maybe, remember, <laughs> as he's going off the field. And so then, that's a problem. And then also ran into the Dallas Cowboy locker room after his last game and told them to sign him yeah. after he was still on the Seattle Seahawks. Like, to me, those are not cool things. Those are things teams are going to look at now. Yeah and put a little bit more into it, let alone, like you're talking about, teams are really going to look at this one right now and go, whoa. Like, Baltimore did this to him? Do we really want this guy? And here's the point I wanted to make before that I, you know, I I got distracted with. It's come back. back. Okay, good. I was with a safety in a similar situation to Earl Thomas. I played with Brian Dawkins, right, late in his career. He wasn't the Brian Dawkins of the Philadelphia Eagles and Wolverine and, like, whoa, it's either him, Ed Reed, or Troy Polamalu, are the best safeties in football, and, like, that's it. There's no other conversation. He was still good, middle-of-the-road-ish, like an Earl Thomas. But he came in and was a leader with positivity and goodness and never held himself like, I'm fucking Brian Dawkins and I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want on this play because I'm going to the Hall of Fame, fuck all you, right? He never did that. You know, there has to be that blend at some point in your career where you have to go, wait, I'm not, you know, the f- I'm not the man anymore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I can't be showing up for meetings three minutes late. You know, that was okay when I was the man and, you know, I went out there and made seven plays on Sunday that nobody else can make in football. Yep. Okay. But now I'm missing seven normal plays every Sunday and not that guy. And that, that's just not cool. Like Derek Brooks – He wasn't the same Derek Brooks when I first got there as when I left. His play had gotten down, and his attitude was a little different because of that because he knew, like, wait, I can't always be the guy, like, leading the charge and rah, 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 rah. I'm, you know, one of the bottom starters on our defense now, so I have to adjust – my approach yeah. and how I talk to people, that's part of being a football player. It's part of like surviving in a locker room and being a leader and being diplomatic that way. Trying to make a transition, exactly. which some
1: players are able to do, I can imagine. And if you come in and you're Earl Thomas and you're thinking of your leadership role as being a guy that's going to get on sure. top of other players and yell at them right. and I'm the man, or is your leadership role a part of being the guy that's going to bring up these other players and, and coach them along and... Pass the torch, if you will. Yes. It doesn't sound like Earl Thomas uh, was there for the Ravens at all. But you don't think, last thing, you don't think their defense is going to drop off a cliff. You don't think it makes them that much worse. I,
2: I don't. I don't. You know, they're going to have to figure that out. They're going to miss some stuff with Earl Thomas as far as, you know, like we talked about, his ability to diagnose plays, his experience, some of the mental aspect, maybe his ability to disguise. But I'm just telling you in a lot of big situations last year, You know, to me, more times than not, it looked like they were trying to hide Earl Thomas rather than going, we're going to put you in the spot to make the play. Right? That's what, like, the Jets do with Jamal Adams. They're like, they're going to go, we're going to put you right here because we think the ball's going to go right here and you'll make it happen. To me, it was more of like, we think the ball's going to go over here, so we're going to put you over here this year. And. Again, I don't feel cool saying this stuff, but that's just the facts of the matter to me. If you see him in person
1: next time that uh, He's going
2: to whoop my ass. Call me up.
1: I want to be there. <laughs> Boy, I want to be there
2: in the room taking well, video. Well, uh, well, yeah. I don't think his, his agent already doesn't like me. I know that. All his right. agent got mad at me last year because I said two. he wasn't in the top five safety in football. Oh, so that relationship do an anyway. in. Inter- I was supposed to do an interview with Dwayne Haskins, who's represented by that same agent, and he, didn't, okay. he took Dwayne Haskins' interview away from me. Oh, really? Right. Right. This is inside football, right? This is
1: inside football, right? Here. I was right. Um, okay, so Earl Thomas is out there. We'll see if anyone picks him up. Ready for the uh, Ask Me Anything Let's portion do it. of the podcast Let's here? Do it. All right, hit me with the sound. Oh, we don't have
0: do a do sound. Do.
2: <laughs> is that a good NBC sound?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pete goes perfect. Uh, okay, first one is from Max Boss Max. You ready mm, for this one? I like that. Can you shout out my dad, Mike Purden? He listens to every episode.
2: What up, Mike Purden? I mean, good to hear. I'm I'm glad you're listening, Dad. Yeah. Way to go, man. I mean, that's it. They don't say where they're from, anything like that. That's it.
1: That was just it. He just wanted the only thing he wanted was a shout-out for his dad. What's
2: up, Dad, Mike Purden? And then your son has a pretty cool uh, handle there. What was that? Max Boss Max. Max Boss Max. I like that. That's pretty good. Okay, I'd like to hear more about what Dad's favorite team is and those things. So... Please let us know that, uh, Max Boss Max. Okay,
1: that's a future segment right there. We'll do learning more about Mike Learning
2: Purdy. more about stranger dads. <laughs> we'll do that. All right, you guys Mike. have to hear about my dad all the time. I might as <laughs> well hear about some of your dads. All right, this one comes from 49ers
1: with four S's who, who retweeted the question today. Very upset that we didn't answer it last time, which happens. I know. You know we don't get to all of them all the time. Mostly because Pete doesn't give us the questions, you know, but that's the main reason. Uh, But we're getting it this time, so don't be mad at us. Uh, What did Belichick see in Jimmy G that made him want to move off of Brady for him? I understand age and system fit, but you've talked about his physical requirements to play for New England in the past, or the physical requirements to play for New England in the past. I know you don't love Jimmy G's physical tools, so why did Belichick... Love him. So, what did Bill Belichick see in Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: Yeah, well, I think there's still a lot to like, you know. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not putting Jimmy Garoppolo in that top five, top six, seven, eight talented quarterbacks in football. No, I'm not. But this is still a guy that's pretty smart decision maker, extremely accurate over the middle of the field and intermediate passes, great with chaos around him and throwing the ball kind of off his back foot or you know, in a little weird position and just flicking it out with his wrist and doing that has a very quick release that way. So, you know, I think those are the things I like, and those are probably the things New England saw too. You know, New England, again, they didn't draft him thinking like, whoa, we'll just draft a guy so we can have a trade asset. Mm-hmm. They drafted him because they that 2013 season, again, I got to remind everybody, Brady was not good, and I know a lot of people are going to go, well, they went to the AFC Championship game. I know. They're New England, and I wish I could bring back all the people in football at the time where I used to have people, be, you know, Tom's not. When I watched the film, Tom's not really playing that good, right? right? He's not playing that good. Is he, Chris? No, he's not. You're right. You're right. He hasn't really played well for two or three years now. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo because they were concerned about Brady's play. That's why they drafted him in the second round. They didn't draft him in the second round and go, let's yeah. just let him sit here for five years and have him look cool. You know, Brady's play picked up in 2014. It lit a torch under his ass. They got off to a bad start. That was the on to Cincinnati year. Do
1: I don't know that you've ever talked about how he turned it around because it did seem like this is the beginning of the end.
2: It did, definitely. I mean, no, I think two things. I think one, he stopped worrying about being a politician of the game where he was just worried about his numbers and, like, manipulating them. He just started to go, you know what, I'm going to fucking play. I'm going to be dangerous. I'm going to be aggressive. I'm going to start throwing. And, he, and really what I should say is that was two, because first thing he did was fix some of his mechanics to lend himself to throw some of those more aggressive throws more effectively. As I've told you many times, when I was there in 2012, he was the worst down-the-field thrower in football. Not just by my assessment, the numbers, everything said it. That's all we worried about in practice. Oh, it was an incompletion? Great. Keep throwing it deep. Keep throw- I mean, Bill used to say that to him every day that spring. Just needed to keep throwing it deep, Tom. He- keep being aggressive. Hmm. They knew he could throw it four yards over the middle of the West Welker. So, yeah, I think when he fixed up his mechanics. What did he do? Was that a personal coach that he worked with? Or yeah, I, you know, with I think that, he did yeah. Tom House. And, you know, yeah. he really got into – he got away from – he got back to a little bit more of what he was at the start of his career. When 2009, 10, 11, 12 came around, they got so into that short passing game, his motion got really up high because he was worried about, let me get it over the line of scrimmage. Let me just get it to West. so he can see the ball out of my hand and he can catch it and then he'll dance upfield for a few extra yards. Yeah. Well, teams started to catch on to all that stuff too. And it just became so hard for New England to always figure out a new way to get a five- or six-yard completion to where they started to go, man, we can't do this anymore. we got to, like, open the field up. And Brady finally, I think, just said, fuck it, too, and started letting it loose, and it changed things forever. And it it helped them, this second dynasty run they went on.
1: Even after that transformation, though, it still seemed like Bill Belichick wanted to move on. To Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, I think there points.
2: was – well, yeah, I think, you know – It might have
1: been the idea um, that Jimmy was coming and still, even though Tom had made these improvements, yeah. that he was going to eventually fall. Well, I think
2: – exactly, and I think that's what it was. He's yeah. sitting there just going, wait, I, you know, I like Garoppolo, I like Brady. I mean, it's got to be ending for Brady here soon, and we got a second-round quarterback that we all like, so, you know, maybe – And Brady obviously was like, no, it's not ending. I want to keep playing. Mr. Kraft, come down here, please. I'd like to keep playing. Can you get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo? And then that's what happened. And then he realized he was going to have to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. And he called up Kyle Shanahan. And the rest is history. Still one of my favorite stories and anecdotes. And I think it's true, right, is that. John
1: Lynch, when talking to Bill Belichick about trading for Jimmy Garoppolo, they're like, no, we don't want to do it. They're like, all right, well, we'll take Tom Brady then. Give us one of them. We don't need both of them for for the future. Uh, They eventually did get Jimmy Garoppolo. But
2: that's how that came about. Just so, because that's what we're answering, right? Yes. So, yeah, I don't think it was
1: That Bill Belichick, like, likes something more than maybe other people do about Jimmy Garoppolo. You don't think that's the case necessarily?
2: No, I don't. I think they were impressed with Garoppolo. They thought that he certainly was capable of being that next guy after Brady. It didn't work out. Brady was still playing at a high level. And, you know, they they had to make a move to help their team, which was at that time trade Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: And it's almost like they want the opportunity to prove that they can win – without a great elite quarterback, you know, the Jarrett Stidham.
2: You know, it's like, we can we can win with Jarrett I, Stidham. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I mean, Same I idea. yes. You know, again, as awesome as Tom Brady is, nothing is better to me than Bill Belichick as the head coach and that culture he set there. And, you know, yeah, I, I'm sure they, they want to show that. Their system, their culture, their day-to-day attack, their attention to detail, their creativity, um, all of that, their ability to grind and compete. It's nobody, nobody messes with them. Nobody fucks with them. Nobody. Yeah. And, and I really mean that. Um, and uh, yeah, I would be shocked if they don't have success with Cam. I really would. I mean, they, you know, as you know, they went 11 and five with Matt Castle. So that leads us
1: to O'Connell Dara. O'Connell Dara. Who asks, hey, Chris. Hey. What would you say is the worst case scenario for the Pats next year? How badly could the Cam experiment go? So you just said you think it will go well. Yeah. But let's go worst case scenario. Man, no injury. We'll, we'll say everyone's healthy. Yeah, right. right? I mean, everyone's obviously, healthy.
2: injury goes on, and it, anything could be a disaster. I, I can't imagine the worst case being anything horrific. Like, I'm, I'm not. I can't. I'm not going to sit here and go, "Oh, it could." They could end up going five and eleven if it goes bad, or six and ten. No. Nine and seven. Yeah, eight and eight, nine and seven. Cam has some weeks where we go, "Man, it's awesome. He's got it." And then we have other weeks where we go, "Ooh." Yep, he doesn't understand the system, and, you know, they they can't make any plays on the offensive side of the ball. Right. But I would just would be shocked with that. So smart. The defense is still really freaking good. You know, he's going to add to the strength of the running game because of his ability to keep the ball and do certain things, too. It's going to make the rest of their running game better. And, you know, I just would be shocked if they don't formulate the correct plan around the guy. Former
1: coach with the Patriots, now with the New York Giants, that is Joe Judge. Joey
2: Judge. Were you
1: there with him? I in was. In 2012? Yeah. What was, what was he like? He was, he's, I mean, he's
2: only 38 now. I know. So. Yeah, we were, you we were, were both, the, you know, the you know, so-called bitch boys at the time. He was a special teams bitch boy. I was the <laughs> offensive bitch boy. And um, if
1: you just would have stuck around, you could have been the head coach of the Giants. Right yeah,
2: that's all I had to do. Um, Joe is unbelievable energy. I think that's the first thing I would talk about. Yeah. You know, he's a really straight shooter, got a great way about him and communicating and everything like that. And, you know, is um, uh, I think a guy who can replicate that crazy energy in a good way on a day-to-day basis. Like, it's it's pretty unbelievable that way. I think it's the first thing that jumps out to me. So it comes from Patrick
1: Ermlich, yeah. who says, will Joe Judge surprise people this year with how the team
2: performs? I'm going to say yes, I am. I, You know, again, Joe Judge, yes, he's not an offensive or defensive coordinator. But between being in New England and Alabama, he understands the way an organization is supposed to be run. He understands what a complimentary game plan means to win and put your team in the best position on a weekly basis. And then the biggest thing is, you know, He's got a stable offensive coordinator in Jason Garrett, who I think is better offensive mind than people give him credit for. I think the Giants are going to be a sneaky better offensive team than people realize. At least that would be my assessment. And I think on defense, um, with Patrick Graham, who was also in New England with me and just came from Miami, yeah, they're going to run that Flores-Belichick scheme, and they're going to be well-coached and know what they do. Yes, I think they're going to be a pain in the butt. Am I going like – you know, playoffs, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. I don't know. No, I'm not doing that. Yeah. But, like, could I see a 7 and 9 and, or maybe, maybe a 6 and 10, but like really close in a bunch of games and exciting to watch? I think that's kind of what I expect from the New York Giants. Fumbles from Daniel Jones. I hope ruins, not. Ruins it for him. Uh, yeah, well, I hope not. People love to talk about that. So he's,
1: he's making everyone run. Right? That's a big story out of camp right now. First day they had the assistant coaches, which they, I mean, the assistant coaches on the team are crazy, right? I mean, you got Jason Garrett, you got Brett Bielema, you got Freddie Kitchens, and so they're out there running laps.
2: The great soldiers right there, the people you just mentioned, they're great soldiers. Like, they're going to buy into what Joe Judge is selling and. They're not gonna like, oh man, he made me like run to the goalpost at back, now I'm gonna like motherfuck him to my, my position. Group. I mean there's no other team in football NFL
0: that's doing that. Well, right? New
2: England probably. You think? Yeah, probably not running the coaches as much anymore or doing anything like that. That happened Maybe in occasionally. 2012? Yeah, occasionally. Yeah. Really? I mean, If things are going bad, I mean, that's just the New England way. It's just there's no nonsense. Can you just tell the assistant coach, go run? It's Belichick. It's the Parcells way. It's Tom Coughlin. It's all a part of this same school of, yeah, Yeah. you messed up. We're going to hold you accountable. Go run. Okay. Did you run? You never messed up. I'm trying to think if I ever did run. I feel like we had a run one time, like the whole offensive staff. Like it was just a bad practice, and I think we all had to like go run around the goalpost and back. Um, but, yeah. Bill Th- Belichick can pull that off. Can 38-year-old Joe Judge pull that off? I, I'll say what I said to Mike Florio last week. It's certainly dicey, right? You're going to piss some people off, yeah. especially in the middle of a hard training camp and, right. like, guys are going, like, damn, I'm tired already, and now you're going to make me get more tired and then go take reps, yeah. which will make you focus more because you just go, shit, I don't want to have to go run again because that was tiring, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's that aspect of but, yeah. It's going to be about his ability to communicate properly with the players and the coaches throughout this. Yeah, you could be the dictator and, you know, you know, bang the gavel every now and then and do all that. But if you don't show an open side to the players and a, a humane side, it's going to fall on deaf ear, deaf ears to where they're going to be a little bit like this guy doesn't give a shit about us. He's too much of a drill sergeant. And they'll, they'll start to tune him out. You well, don't people want are that. really
1: good at determining what's a facade and what's not. Like, is he doing this because he really feels like it'll make me a better football player to make me a better coach? Or is he doing this because he wants to look tough and cool yeah. in his first year? I think it'll tone. come
2: off real. I do. Good. Yeah, I do. I, so, I mean, we'll see. But I do. I think it's naturally in him to be that way. And there's really not a fakeness about him anyways. You know, I know you've never met him. But mm-hmm. I think he's one of those guys, if you met him, whenever whatever you think about him as a football coach, you'd be like, Oh damn, he's he's a good guy. He can communicate. Yeah. You know, you could tell he cares about people and he's smart and That's it, what the, it
1: comes down to. It, d- d- yeah. Does he care about me? Does he care about me not only as a football player, but is he trying to make me better just overall, you know what I mean? Yeah, like he's a better a coach, human better being. Better human, yes. better football player. Does he care? Goes a
2: long way when you show a player you care about them a little bit. How's your wife? How's your kids? How you doing? Blah, right. blah, blah. And you
1: genuinely care. You're right. not doing it to try to show that you can. It's like, I, I do. Yeah. We're all in right. this thing together. We might as well all get yeah, along. Yeah, he in.
2: wondered if you've watched more than three movies before. I tell them, no, you're an asshole.
1: <laughs> it is like, I could tell that from watching. <laughs> uh, let's go Seattle's offense. Right? Oh, we talked baby. about the Seattle scheme, yeah. which we hit the quota. We have to do that every pod. <laughs> yeah. I keeping Seattle track scheme. Seattle scheme. I'm like, okay, we got it in. It's like, a, it's a sponsor at this point. Sponsored by the Seattle, <laughs> Seattle scheme. scheme. Uh, this one is from Ellie Pong, right? It says, which quarterbacks could you put in Seattle's offense and have them be successful?
2: Oh, good, good question. So
1: we've said that uh, Russell Wilson is Herculean in his efforts a lot of times to make that offense look good, yep. especially late in games when all they can do is throw the ball and he pulls it off somehow.
2: Yeah. Well, there's no schematical advantages for that offense. He doesn't get the throw to, like, Alvin Kamara coming out of the backfield who Sean Payton gets open six times a game for easy seven-yard completions. Yeah. And I know people are going to go, oh, he's taking a shot at, you know, Drew Brees. And I, you know, Again, I'm just trying to – I know. It was a little bit of a Well, it, it, I, well my kidding. point is, but, but, but there's, yes. that aspect of their offense does not exist. Right. Brian Schottenheimer doesn't do that stuff. As you've heard me say many times, there's only a few offenses in football that really know how to use the slot receiver and really creatively get them open, you know, consistently – So, Seattle, no, they they rely more on we're going to beat you up in the run game and then we're going to take some shots and be aggressive in the pass game and our quarterback's going to make some plays because that's what he does. So, yeah, some of the system guys out there, they're not going to be able to pull that off. They're not. You know, Mahomes, of course, is going to be able to pull that off. You know, Deshaun Watson's going to be able to pull that off. Josh Allen's going to be able to pull that off. You know, really – Ryan Tannehill, at this point in his career, yes, is going to pull that off too. So you
1: need an athletic quarterback. Right. Who can, who can freewheel it. And has and a
2: pretty big arm. Throw it downfield. And he's going to be able to throw the ball down. Exactly right. So you, that's the way to explain it. Exactly. Okay. So, like Derek Carr, you know, I'm not sure he can do that. He has the physical ability to do it. He just won't cut it loose and let some of those balls go. He can do it, you know, but I just, you know, but yeah, Breeze, no. Phillip Rivers, eh, maybe to a degree. I don't know if he can do it consistently as effectively as some of these other guys, you right. know. Um, but, but yeah, that's the big thing. Is is it's it takes that type of quarterback, a quarterback with special physical ability. Now, here's a point from Czech West C71
1: that says, "Please remember in your critique of the Seattle offense that the team is 57 and 0 in regular season games when leading by just four points at halftime. I will take wins over yards any day of the week."
2: Yeah. The offense is good with a lead, at least. Yeah. I mean, I'm not shocked. That's kind of the style of football in which they play. I mean, my point to that would be the way that offense plays, and you're talking about these four-point leads, and Mm -hmm. I would go, if your offense was a little aggressive, more aggressive, you would win some of those games by 21 points, and you wouldn't be sweating it out late in the fourth quarter going, oh, I hope we can hold them to a field goal, and we're going to lose this one. You know, that's what they do too much. That's where – you know, they to me almost hurt their team at times, just because of that style of play in w- in which they play. Or the, how, you know, again, you know that it's it's good for them too, and they've been able to get away with it for a lot of years because their defense was yeah. great. But just another thing I was thinking about there too is, okay, but how many times did they go in at halftime down three or four points where I want to go? If they just let it loose a little bit, they'd be up by two touchdowns. Right. You know what I mean? So it's it's a good stat, but.
1: They were carried by their defense for sure. uh, For a while. With their their best teams. Um, And here's a question about defenses coming up here in September from uh, Justin Mm -hmm. Sandhu, who says, do you think defenses will have an early advantage in the season due to no preseason?
2: This is a great question. I've really been debating this a lot lately. Um, I don't. This is where I think defenses will have an advantage. I think that if the defense aligns, The defensive lines might be able to dominate. Offensive linemen and offensive lines as a unit usually take a little bit to get their feet underneath them as far as, you know, playing live football. And they'll have none. They'll have none. And then they're going to have these fresh dean linemen who are not beat up and foaming at the mouth and finally, like, Holy shit! I can hit the quarterback, yeah. and I can like don't have to worry about any of that stuff, and I can just go pedal to the metal. I don't have to go eighty percent because I'm saving myself for the next day at training camp, or you know I'm not trying to hurt the guy in front of me, whatever that is. So that's where I go. I think we can see a, like the dominant defensive lines right really dominate early on, but I also worry about the secondaries. Secondaries to me, you know, the thing they're gonna miss is. Yeah, live game reps in the preseason and all that. But because of the limited amount of time, like some of the in-depth things you would do as a defense that you've already like checked off the list in OTAs, right? right? Like they're, they're having to start them or just getting into them now instead of being like five weeks down the roads on some of their stuff. So, you know, maybe a defense, let's just say New England. Oh, man, when they motion to cover, when they motion to trips over to the right side, you know – in week 10 last year, they might have gone like, oh, hey, X call, and that means they were going to switch to some certain coverage because they'd like to get in this coverage versus that personnel set in that formation where they might not be there early in the year. and They might just go, whoa, let's just keep it basic. Cover two, everybody. Yeah. Cover two. And that, to me, is going to lead maybe to some big offensive passing numbers like the strike year. I mean, the last time we had the CBA – and I don't know, Pete, if you're listening, how many quarterbacks did that, we that year have 5,000-yard passers? I believe Stafford threw for five. I believe Breeze threw for five. I threw Rodgers threw for five. I think mm. we had four quarterbacks in that year with no offseason throw for 5,000 yards. So that's where did – I, did I answer that? Did I answer that? I kind of yeah. answered both. And I
1: think, too – we talked about this before, is that the fact that there are no fans in the stands, the fact that there's going to be – it's going to be quiet. Yeah. It's going to be quiet in all these stadiums. That could help the defense communicate better than they ever have been in being able to do in the past.
2: I agree. They're going to be more in their comfort zone. I mean, there's no – yeah, you're right. Quarterbacks going to be able to, you know, not have to worry about messing with the snap count or crowd noise or signals that this guy get this and that. So, uh, yeah, I mean – it seems like the offense would have the advantage except oh, for th- that offensive line aspect. I thought the defense. I was thinking oh, the defense. Oh, you mean the defense. I, well, because I would of, think, well, right? Well, you go, hey, you're commu- you're communicating
1: mid play, you know, hey, you got this guy, you got, you're, you're able to yell over to the cornerback over make on the side adjustments of the field.
2: that like, way, like maybe get off the snap quicker. You're maybe. right about that. You're right, you're right. I also just think about the offenses being able to communicate a lot more at the line of scrimmage sure. too, pre pre snap, pre snap, and do yeah. stuff like that. So you know that that stuff. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. That's going to be really interesting to see. see. But I think the receivers and the quarterbacks on the passing game have the advantage over the DBs. And what I, I guess I'm saying is that I think the defense alignment have the advantage over right. the offense alignment,
1: Just with the fact of no preseason games, haven't had that work together. Right, and yes. right. Um, this one, you talked about passing yards. Let's oh, and
2: know. the 5,000-yard the passers were Breeze, Brady, Stafford, and Eli had 4,900 yards. Pete just told me that in my ear. That's true? Yeah. So, so it was three, you, three 5,000 yards. Three of them, okay. One was close.
1: So we had one last year, one 5,000-yard passer. Jameis Winston. Oh, baby. Uh, this one comes from William Spencer. It says, can you give us the 2020 league leaders in passing yards, receiving yards, and rushing yards? So, I looked at it. Ooh. So, see if you can agree, and I'll, I'll give you some time to, <laughs> okay, good. to look you. at the numbers here. So, last year passing, Watts, uh, uh, Winston was one, right. 5,109 yards. Dak was second, mm. 4,902. Of course, Patrick Mahomes was hurt. Uh, A bit last year. What's
2: funny is if you look at, like, the top passers, right? Yeah. Jameis, Prescott, Goff, Goff, Rivers, Rivers. Matt Ryan. Mm -hmm. None of them went to the playoffs, right? None of them. Just kind of shows you it's like, hey, they were were behind in a lot of games. Probably had to throw the ball. Got a lot of garbage yards, you know, pass-wise that way. It wasn't until 6' Russell Wilson until we had a playoff quarterback.
1: That's true, and Mahomes was 10th. He had 4,000, but he missed two games. He missed two, yeah. But he's not going to get 1,100 really. yards in two games. Right. Or in two and a half games. Um, I am going with Yeah. Matt Ryan. Ooh. Because I think, like you said, they might be borderline playoff. They might sure. not be a playoff team. Could be mm-hmm. throwing the ball a lot down. Got, what, Gurley now? Pass catcher out of the backfield. Right. Kelvin Ridley, step forward. Definitely. Julio Jones, still a beast. They got I would Hayden go with Hurst from Hayden Baltimore. Yeah, Not much of a running game.
2: I'm not mad at you there.
1: I'm going to go Matt Ryan.
2: Okay. I like that.
1: Who would you go with? Patrick?
2: It's hard. The two names that come to my mind right away are Patrick. Yes. I just think, you know, you've heard me say it. I just think them winning, him's contract being done, pressure's off. I think they're going to thrive. And – then now you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to add to it. Mm-hmm. I, I immediately and, – and, and, and I'm going to pick Dak Prescott, too. Those would be the two guys that first jumped out to me because okay. also weapons at their disposal, like we talked about, receivers, quarterbacks, have advantage over DBs. Yeah. Really good offensive lines to where, like, I look at some of those, like Dallas, that's the type of offensive line where I go, oh, yeah, they might not be used to real gameplay, but they're so damn good that they'll be better than most in week one because they're just that good of an offensive line.
1: I thought maybe they'd want to try to establish more variety. Maybe,
2: maybe. It's just, damn, they got C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper. So I'll be interested to see where that goes. But those are the two that jumped to my brain right away. Matt Ryan's a good one, though. I'm not, I'm not mad at you there. Pete's throwing another name out there. Kyler Murray's probably going to get into Kyler this conversation. Kyler Murray, that's
1: not the name Pete said, but that's a good one.
2: Yeah. Uh, Pete is throwing out Matthew Stafford. Oh, I think that's a pretty good one, too. I think the only thing that holds him back there is just Matt Patricia and wanting to be a little bit more balanced and Daryl Bevel and let's run the ball. And drafting Swift. And drafting Swift with on Johnson. He's been very much into the offensive line ever since he got there. Yeah. Um, but – I wouldn't be, like, that wouldn't be shocking either. You wouldn't be mad about that one either. But I'm going to go Mahomes. You're going to go Mahomes. I okay. am. I think Mahomes is just, this is going to be, like. Light it up. And... I think this is going to be Aaron Rodgers, like, 2011. Now, they lost in the divisional playoff game. But the year after he won the Super Bowl, he just was unstoppable. Yeah. I wish we could all go back and I could show you games. Of two, I, I want to say he threw for 45 touchdowns, maybe eight interceptions, something like that. I just think it's going to lend itself to that, where Mahomes is going to go, there's nothing I can't conquer. I'm the man. I'm the best player in the game, and he's going to thrive in that. So I'm going to go him with that. Okay. So Mahomes,
1: you're going, I'm going with Matt Ryan. Okay.
2: Uh, receiving. Write this down on your little tablet over
1: there, okay? okay. Am I with my, my, my pen. Uh, okay. Hold on. I got it. Uh, receiving. Yes. So this was Yards landslide. or receptions? Uh, I think either way. Yards. Yards. Pete says yards. Huh. Uh, last year it was a landslide. Michael Thomas, 1,700 yards. Second was Julio with 1,300. Chris Godwin, Travis Kelsey, Devontae Parker, Keenan Allen after that. Um, I almost, my dark horse here, just like we mentioned with Matthew Stafford throwing yeah. the ball a lot, my dark horse is Kenny Galladay. Ooh, uh, he's I, a dark horse for me. Yeah. But I don't see any way, you know, barring injury, that Michael Thomas does not lead
2: the NFL. I, I mean, receptions here. for sure. I mean, no doubt about it. It's so, just, yeah. He had
1: 149 receptions last year, the second most. Was was what? Was was it
2: 104? McCaffrey 116. with 116, Jeez. and then
1: DeAndre Hopkins with 104.
2: Holy, um, yeah. <laughs> so you
1: get, receptions, no doubt, but you think yards is
2: up for grabs? I'd be shocked if he got up to 150 again. I mean, I really would be for receptions. Yes. Okay. But. The big thing is, is who's going to be that other yards guy that can really challenge him that way? Your guy Galladay is definitely in that conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about Amari Cooper, but they, I feel like other guys that are going to take away from, you know, his, his production. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to go with one other dark horse here. I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to get a whole lot of catches Mm, in the Cardinals. I mean, a whole lot. I would think he, like, they're going to get off on trying to justify the trade for him. I would think they're going to probably pay him soon, which is going to also want to make them justify that. You and I both
1: think Kyler's going to have a huge year. I do.
2: I think Kyler is going to have a huge year. So he would be the guy that I would say that jumps out to me more than any to go, ooh, watch out for him. He might be able to challenge a Michael Thomas Maybe not necessarily in receptions, but yards. So go with him. All up. right, I will. You're I'll going go to pick him. I'll go with D. Hop. D.
1: Hopkins. All yeah. right. I just tricked you into going with someone <laughs> other than Michael Thomas. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. Look uh, what you did to me. Okay. And finally, rushing. This one it was uh, Derrick Henry last year leading the NFL, 1,540 yards. Nick Chubb was second, 1,494. Then you had McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott. Carson after that, Lamar Jackson. I, I, I kind of wanted to go Lamar Jackson for some reason. I was like, ah, that'd be kind of. Because he was only, what, 300 yards off the leader last year? He wasn't far. I was like, that'd be kind of a cool pick. Um, <laughs> but I am not going to do that. I'm going to go with the guy that, had, that missed three games last year. Okay. I'm saying he'll play all 16 this year. Yeah. Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I know you like him. I, I do like it. Is that a safe him. pick? Was that a boring pick? No, perhaps? it's.
2: I don't think that's a boring. I don't think how how could people call that a boring pick? I mean, you know, one, it's a lot of question marks on that offense. Mm-hmm. They just rebuilt their offensive line. Yeah, Is I kind of want to go with them with you. Uh, I mean, that's that's the guy I'm rooting for. I like him a lot. The one I do think that we all sleep on of course is nick chubb i do yeah i think nick chubb and then you talk about that's a new
1: offense too you don't quite know how they'll utilize him well
2: and they're going to the minnesota offense which we know is run first and then you have two guys to worry about on the outside and they got austin hooper as a good tight end and they drafted a tackle in the top 10 and they signed jack conklin at right tackle with big money at right you know in free agency so that's a good one i think i've just talked myself into nick chubb yes you go with barkley i'll go with chubb okay all right, that's good. That's good. you we'll like see. Saquads. I like the Chubster. And we've turned off injuries in the NFL,
1: like yes. in Madden. Oh yeah, like it's you can off. do. You oh. turn them off, yes. and so that we'll get a true competition here. No to doubt. See who is right. Are we missing
2: anybody else there? You know, I mean, um, any of the rookies? I mean,
1: you know, we both didn't think Derrick Henry was going to do it again.
2: Ooh, yeah. Uh, Clyde De- edwards- yeah, Derrick Henry. I'm always putting it because they're going to feature him. Clyde sure. edwards hilaire I just don't think he's gonna, he might lead the NFL in receiving out of the backfield. Not, not like, more than
1: Christian McCaffrey. But,
2: like, either. yeah, he, yes, not that much. You're right. Yeah. He'll probably be third between, between, behind him, Kamara, and then him. Sure. Um, yeah. I don't I'd like say watch out for Josh Jacobs, too. That would be another guy I'd throw on everybody's radar. Josh Jacobs with that offensive line. Gruden's going to run the football. And then, yeah. you know, even for total yards aspect, you know, as I've said here before many times, I mean, Gruden, he told me right to my face at the combine, Josh Jacobs is going to get more catches in the, in the pass game this year.
1: Yeah, and he had just rushing yards last year. Josh Jacobs had 1,150 in yeah.
2: 13 games. Yeah.
1: So missed three games. He still, just died. still was close. All right, so that's cool. But We're, we're down. We, we have made our predictions. And here's another predictions one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2020 playoff teams. This run from uh, In Jim Chow, who's a regular contributor to the mailbag here. Did the ask me anything? What are some teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, but have a good chance of making it this year. Okay. You see this every year, right? Yep. How many teams is it usually on I average? I think it's like
2: four. Four teams. Four. Oh, four. oh, five oh, to pieces. six. five
1: or six. There you go.
2: So um, five to six new teams almost every year. Okay. Expanded playoffs, too. I mean, you got
1: more teams that are.
2: Pittsburgh Steelers, they gotta be one of those, right? Let me try to get in your brain.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Pits- I was gonna say Pittsburgh first. I like, in the, there. It's I like real the, char- cloudy I like the Chargers. There. It's weird in here. <laughs> See, you seem to be affected by something. Uh, you know I like the
2: Chargers. Yes.
1: So I'm gonna say Chargers. Okay.
2: That, I think hey, let's just make a list of the teams we think that could be that team. So Chargers yeah. for sure. I'm with you. They're on that list. Five and eleven last year,
1: but I think they got the talent. Definitely. Tyrod's awesome. gonna be awesome. Sure. I'm rooting for Tyrod this year. Good. Um, Pittsburgh for sure. That defense is awesome. Big Ben Big healthy. Ben, Get him back in there.
2: I agree. Those are two that I have on my short list.
1: About
2: um, the Colts, you going to throw them in there? I was going to say Indianapolis. Yeah.
1: Philip Rivers, seven and nine last year without him. Definitely more consistent quarterback play. You got uh, the running back Jonathan Taylor there to help out. Exactly.
2: Uh, I like them. Um, okay. What about Browns? You going to put Browns in the AFC in that conversation? No. No, because okay.
1: if if Pittsburgh's better, yep. and if Baltimore's still good, right? No, I think you got to leave someone out. Although they might be able to squeak in at eight and eight or something.
2: Wait, Things it is like a weird that. year. We got the yeah. seven seven extra, playoff spot this playoff year. Team. So
1: that might put just in for there. the
2: sake of the exercise, I would put the Browns in there for right now. Okay, right? Okay, yeah. just to so Chargers, Pittsburgh, Colts, Browns. There's one more team in the AFC I'm going to put in that category. So you're going to put Denver in there. Exactly. Yep. Right. It's those those five teams I look at to go, ooh, they are teams in the AFC that jump out to me that I think could replace some of the playoff teams that we saw from last year. NFC. I'm going to go Dallas
1: for you. Okay. Yep. Is that one? Yes, it is. I'm going to go, ooh, Tampa Bay.
2: Yes, I am. I'm going to, of course, say Tampa Bay. Yes. And mm. Rams? I know. You look at the Bears, the Rams, and the Falcons, I feel like they could all be in that conversation. Right. You know what I mean? Um, I, I, you know, Not to say that I think they're all, but I think they're all qualified to be in that, whoa, we have the capability, the roster, you know, for the most part. Most of these teams got the quarterback that I think is capable of bringing their team to the playoffs. So, I don't know. I've got ten teams in my list right now. But if I had to narrow it down to the two or three that I really think will be, like, different this year. Dallas, I'm putting in there. Too much talent. I think McCarthy is going to make that team tough. He's an Army sergeant, and I think he'll have them ready to go. So, I'm going to put Dallas as one of them. Pittsburgh, I'm with you there. I mean, it's Big Ben and it's a Super Bowl defense. Makes sense. And I think the Colts would probably be the team I would look at next. Okay. So that would probably be my top three right there. Okay. I mean, I like the Chargers, like you said. I guess I'm a little, yeah, I want to see the offensive line and Tyrod a little bit. So, who's vulnerable there then? You think Houston's
1: vulnerable? Tennessee's vulnerable?
2: I do think Houston's vulnerable. Yes, I think there's a lot of pressure on Deshaun Watts. I, I mean, to me right now, it looks like Houston's going, we're, we're just going to, Deshaun and our receivers and David Johnson, we're just going to outscore you. Yeah. So, that, I look at that as being a vulnerable. Hey, New England, you know, we, I, we, sure. there are New England, but we got to see what they are first. Yeah. And Buffalo, really. Right. Both those teams. Definitely, sure. You know, even Tennessee. I'm not going to sit here and just – I mean, I expect them to be in the playoffs, but let's not forget, I mean, they were 9-7 and seven last year. It wasn't like they just ran away and were like some slam dunk yeah. in the AFC. All right, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Don't Minnesota – Don't I give think, away too much because you know, we
1: want to go through – We're going to okay. do our divisions and stuff. We are going to do Minnesota is point.
2: certainly the team that I look at in the NFC to go, if you made me pick one of the six teams that were in the playoffs last year and you made me pick one to say they're not going to be in it this year, Minnesota's hands down that team for me yeah. in the NFC. All right. Philadelphia? No. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know right. about that. Okay. Well, we're going to get to your next one. We're going right? to pick division winners and all that here at some point, yep. I would think. I mean, Yep. And I didn't do it last year? Yeah. I think I might do it this Good. year. Good. It's about fucking time you did something around here. <laughs> all right. right,
1: is. Uh, we're going to go back in time. One thing I can't do is history because I don't remember stuff. I have a really hard time remembering things that happened, like, more than – a year or two ago. Wow.
2: I have a good memory. You have an unbelievable I'm not that memory. Smart, you were doing I... the
1: interview with uh, Derwin James, and he said, You were like, What's your favorite play you've ever. Like how I knew that right away? And, and, he, and you knew it. You knew the play. You're like, Oh, yeah, Big Ben throwing it over the top, right? Wasn't that yeah, the play?
2: Right. Yeah, my recall is pretty strong. I have a little of that Sean McVeighness in me. And he wear. didn't,
1: you're right. You do have You're I very similar bit. in that. Yeah. And Derwin James didn't appreciate it enough. I don't think. He didn't realize how crazy that was that you – You're right. You're that. right. He was just
2: like, yeah, that's the play. Yeah, that's the play. You're right. And I am like, hey, have some fucking credit for the guy <laughs> who watched 9 million games last year. Yeah. So I picked it yeah. up. You live your life, so, of course, you know the
1: play. Uh, me, I just – yeah, yeah. It was, it was incredible. Uh, we're going back to early 2000s. Uh-oh. This one from uh, Bradley Clem 3. Uh-oh. Said, better defense, 2,000 Ravens or 2,002 Bucks. Oh, so, you got all these names. You got Derek Brooks versus Ray Lewis. You oh. got Peter Bolware versus Simeon Rice, Sam Adams, Tony Saragusa versus Warren Satt. You got Chris McAllister
2: versus Ronde Barber, Rod Woodson versus John Lynch. Oh, my gosh. It's insane. Great, the two great defenses of their time, you know, really. I think. Man, I think I would probably go with the Ravens if you just made me pick. Really? I would. I know. That's not going to get – I'm having a lot of – it's the Friends podcast. You guys when are you trying go to run every friendship I've ever had
1: here. In uh, Yeah, when you go back to your reunion tour with the Bucks, you're going to have to tell them that.
2: Well, the the thing I think would like – that's crazy to me, I think what I would talk about with the Bucks that 2000 team, 2002 team that won the Super Bowl, of course, awesome, special defense – I don't think that was their best defense within that six or seven-year span. They were better some previous years. They just didn't have an offense that could help them out. I mean, they beat, almost beat the greatest show on turf. What were they winning by at that point of that game, like 10-6 to six or 10-5? I mean, you know, they had to win games like that whenever they played a really quality football team. It was like, well, the Bucs' defense. But uh, that Ravens team won the Super Bowl at their peak greatness, I guess is what I would say. Mm. And I never – I mean, the Tampa team had John Gruden and, you know, Brad Johnson and Keyshawn and Michael Pittman. Right. And the the, the the Ravens team, not to sit here like Trent Dilfer, you know, Shannon Sharp at the end of his career, but there's not a lot of names on there, nor was the system known to be anything like the John Gruden system was at that time either. Yeah. They were literally running the ball with like, no, fuck you. Ray Lewis and company are going to shut you out, and you'll be lucky if you get six. We know if we get nine, we're going to win the game. Yeah. And that, to me, is, like, crazy. So, I got to go with the 2000 Ravens.
1: Pete notes that in 2000, the defensive player of the year was Ray Lewis. 2002, it was was Derek Derek
2: Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: Right. Uh, It kind of leads in, you're just talking about the Super Bowl teams, into Spud Austin 83. Um, uh are you blowing up
2: Uh, I just had to make sure there okay I got it
1: you got so many things going on you got a show that is now partly on Peacock yes and also on NBCSN yes you got a podcast that's on wherever you get your podcasts Podcasts. and YouTube you're on Instagram you're on Twitter you do none of it yourself but you're everywhere thank you Um, so here (laughs) is Spud Austin 83 hi Chris and Ahmed love the podcast here in Northern Ireland so, there we go. We, we automatically read the question. Uh, playoff football can lead to not always having the best team winning. Over the last 20 years, who has been the worst team to
2: win the Super
1: Bowl? Oh. What is your worst Super Bowl winning oh. team well,
2: first since off, the year 2000? That is a great, real, like a, truly a great thing. Um, hold on. Let me, let me pull, let's pull up Super pull up Bowl winners. So, this happens in, in football. Whenever you
1: have a tournament style, right? I, I always, always would argue this with my with my friends, because I would say the BCS, remember that with college football, as terrible as it was, and you yes. have points here. I was like, that gives you a truer champion, because at least you're going to have two with a top you know, three or four teams in college football. They're going to win the championship. Where if you throw 16 teams into a tournament, you can get the eighth best team winning your, your championship no doubt. that year.
2: No doubt. I, I mean – you you're right. The best team does not always win it in yeah. the national football. Not team. even the top 5 best teams. I mean, teams, sometimes right? every now and then, yeah, sometimes the top 2 teams aren't even in the finals. Now, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. You know, Although it could happen more now that only one team gets the bye. I think you're definitely going to see more of that, definitely, to where some of the higher seeds now, yeah, they don't have that advantage. And So we want to know about the team, the worst team. Worst Super Bowl winning team since the year 2000. Mm, okay, that is a really good one. All right, all right. So um, hold on, I'm almost there.
1: Automatically I kind of thought of the Giants, even though what they did was amazing in the Super Bowl. Yes. Like, they weren't great. There wasn't
2: a great team, you're right. 2007 or 11, kind of have that same type of thing.
1: Pete throws one in here.
2: Which was he saying?
1: The 2008 Steelers. Steelers,
2: yeah. Or two, I, I was almost going to say the 2006 Steelers. You could throw in there too wow. because Big Ben was still young and they didn't have a great offense. Um, yeah, the 2008 Steelers. Now that offense was the, the pass game was potent, and the defense was pretty damn good, though. I mean, with Harrison and. Hold on, I'm almost there. I'm just checking this out here, checking it out. Any of the New England teams? I don't think so. Okay. Like, I don't think the New England team that lost to the Seattle Seahawks was better than that Seattle Seahawks team, but they were on that day, and they won that game. Um, all right. I think if you're making me pick one. Making you pick one. I, I, I think I would probably go with that 2006 Steelers team. Damn. I think I would. Oh, 2005. Sorry. Yes. 2005. Which
1: won in
2: 2006. Uh, yeah, they won the Super Bowl in 2006. But that 2005 Steelers against the Seahawks 21 right. 10 in Detroit. Right. Big Ben. Bad calls by the ref. The Seah- i mean, the Seahawks had some bad drops that day. I mean, Matt Hasselback played such a good game, and his team kind of let him down. Let alone some questionable referee calls and things like that. Plus, that Pittsburgh offense and Big Ben—they struggled throwing the football. I mean, what did Big Ben? I think he threw for like forty-something yards in the game. I mean, it's really? not—it's the worst quarterback rating in like the history of the Super Bowl to win a game. He had a twenty-two point six passer yeah. rating, right? It was something like that. So. You know, to me, they were handicapped on that side of the ball. I mean, if you remember how they scored one of their touchdown passes, it was in Detroit, your home city there. I don't remember. They ran the reverse pass. Hines, you know, Hines Ward caught a pass from Antoine randall L. Remember that? Okay. Or was it the other way around? I don't know. I can't remember. But if you
1: can't remember. Yeah.
2: No, it was that. Pete says you were right. Pete okay. shares
1: your, your ability to remember things. Yeah, he
2: is. He's pretty good, too. Um, uh, but, yeah, I think so that's Steelers, the
1: Steelers, 2005 Steelers, who won uh, Super Bowl
2: XL. One Super Bowl XL. And, and, you know, to the point, let's see, 05, okay, they were there. I was going to say the 08 football team that Steelers won that year. You know, yeah, I would sit there that year and tell you they were not the best team in football. They weren't even the best team in the AFC. Mm. I, I was on that Tennessee Titans team that had beat them in Week 15 for home field advantage, um, but we blew it against the Ravens in the divisional round. Yeah.
0: Around any corner –
1: uh okay let's uh let's end it there okay and let's move on we want to get to your your fake nfl team fill out the offense here we want to do that but before we get there let's do the obvious movie oh i can't wait very quickly so
0: fredo you're
2: dead to me what movie is that from
1: Godfather? Yes.
2: Yes. I
1: watched that this year. Is <laughs> that the first
2: one or the second one? Though? I don't know. I've only watched one
1: of them. Okay, so Pete had them, he had them blacked out, so I could not see these beforehand.
2: Okay. I am reading them now.
1: Let's go through them rapid fire style.
2: I was going to say, can you let me read them? But I don't want to touch your computer. Do you want to read it? You can read them. I don't even have this document that that's, you're why, in. that's why I
1: suggested I should read it. <laughs> uh, uh,
2: okay, here it is.
1: Uh, Podtastical gave us two of them here. Who played Kaiser Soze in *The Usual Suspects*? This one I know. You do because uh, Kevin Spacey. Yes. Because
2: have you seen the movie? I have. Okay. I've seen it a
1: couple of times. One of the rare movies I've seen. I know that because Kevin Spacey ruined um, Kevin Spacey for me. I, I really enjoyed him as an actor. And, he and then ruined. his
2: recent life Correct. developments have ruined it. He yeah. ruined himself for me. I agree. I, I'm very mad at him. He ruined that. thyself for thyself. Um, so, yeah, okay, good for I you. Got one for one. Right, it pisses me off that you watch the movie more than once. So, I mean, the, all these movies that you haven't fucking seen in the world, <laughs> you watch that one twice. I, I
1: don't know how that happened. I don't but know either. I saw either. it
2: one time, and then I think a friend
1: was watching it. I was like, I'll watch it again because it's kind of cool. You can't see
2: again. the answers on here. Can you see the answers
1: or no, you just see the quotes? I just see the questions. Okay, good. And I'm reading them all for the first time. Good. Uh, name the Will Ferrell character that went streaking after a Snoop Dogg concert at that front oh. house
2: in old school. What is his name? Oh, see, oh. you don't know I that. know it. I have no idea. I well, it's that. Frank the Tank, right? Is his name? Frank the Tank. And it's Frank, I can't think of his last name. Oh, Frank Ricard. Ricard. He, I can remember him make, leaving <laughs> a, he, he's leaving a voicemail for his wife, who yeah. he's broken up with, because he thought they were in the trust tree. With the psychologist. Oh, that's where you get the trust the tree The trust from. tree. I thought we were in the psychologist because sometimes he found himself wondering what kind of underwear women were wearing. <laughs> and then, you know, they both look at him like, wait. And he, then he looks at him and he goes, wait, I thought we were in the trust tree because they're newly married and he's struggling.
1: Pete says you're right. Frank what? Ricard. 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 Damn, okay. I'm good. ATX Waffle Master. Name Ooh. the movie this quote is from. You're killing me, Smalls. Sandlot. I know that <laughs> one. Baseball guy. That was. We would run that on MLB Network, like all off-season long, we just on loop. Um, so I saw that from time to time. Name this one from Jay Curtis, '68. Name the four characters from The Wizard of Oz. Uh, the Lion, the Tin Man, Dorothy, the um, the the Witch. Right? Is that no. four? the Toto?
2: Well, but that, that, I mean, five. that works, but it's not the four. Wait, wait. It's not the four that went on the yellow brick road. You're good. missing one. You Dior- said the Tin Man, the Lion, Dorothy. Who's the other one? Scarecrow. Thank you. There we go. Yeah. All right, good. Have you seen that movie before? I have seen that movie. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Good.
1: It, it, it's in Technicolor. Yes. They, they open the door, and yes. then for the first time, people in America saw color. Even in their normal, everyday life, they didn't even see it up until <laughs> that point. And it was just like, that was such a huge moment. Uh, Hobbit. Last one. Hobbit. 2343. Three. I've done pretty well so far. You have. What car is Marty McFly's Time Machine? Uh, the DeLorean. Wow. See these, are, see, these are movies I've seen. Back to the Future. I love Back to the Future. Um, and uh, here's a note. Ahmed had Back to the Future at number three in his top five movies last year. Thank you, Pete, for noting that because I would have you forgotten. Forgot. You my forgot top, it was your
2: top three? My top, uh,
1: yeah top five. Um, He's number three. Yeah, so I remember that one. I did actually fairly well. You did.
2: That was a little disappointing. I was hoping to make fun of you more. Okay.
1: Uh, Finally, Chris, let's do it. And I forget who this question came from, but they said, can you make a fake team in a fake city, brand it, give them colors? So we're not going to give them colors yet. We're not going to brand them. Well, we are going to give them a name, but we have settled on where we're awarding the Chris Sims franchise right we've given a team to Rapid City and I had to look before the podcast if Rapid City was in South Dakota or North Dakota and it is in South Dakota but at the same time I feel like this is a victory for North Dakota It's a victory for all the Dakotas,
2: right? It is. I don't know that there's a rivalry. Maybe we just call them the, well, we're going with the the Rushmores is our nickname. Yes,
1: Rapid City Rushmores. Right.
2: Which I'm a little
1: hesitant because Rapid City does get a lot of pub already for having Mount Rushmore, right?
2: I did not know that. I didn't know it was in Rapid City. Close to, close to Mount Rushmore, right. Pete says. So be I think this accurate. can be a team for the Dakotas. For the Dakotas. Yeah, a team the Dakotas. for the Dakotas. Right. This I, is a I team like for that. the
1: Dakotas, which I was doing um, some searching on Google Trends. You can search for what areas of the country are searching for what or what is trending. I searched just NFL. I kid you not. And in the top five states that came up that was searching NFL stuff, both Dakotas came up as searching for the most NFL content on Google. Is that right? So there's a need. Wow. We're filling a need. Okay. In Dakota. Wow. I feel like we're kind of heroes. Sure. So if you're I feel from, like a hero too. If you're from North or South Dakota. Um, are your heroes message, are here? Don't are, worry. <laughs> <laughs> we're saving you.
2: <laughs> we're the football team.
1: If you're from either of those two states, we are your heroes. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, so let's fill out your team. Let's do yeah. the offense real quick. Come here. on. You know the quarterback. So the quarterback, we're going to go. So here's the rule. It's your favorite player that's currently playing.
2: Yeah. Right? He's right. got to be
1: an active player. Right. This is your favorite player. And it's not how they're currently playing. It's not the best player right now. It's like at some point you loved this guy so much. Yeah. And he's
2: still playing that we're putting him on the team. Yeah. A lot of them are playing awesome here, too. So, okay. it's, 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 it'll fit.
1: So, don't worry. And Pete guessed, too. We both guessed for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. You know it. Okay. That's easy. I got to go with the Rodgers of Aaron's. Running back, we both have the same one here, too. We both guessed that you would pick. Saquon Barkley. You're right. I'm okay. going with Saquon. Two for two. Wide receiver. We both guessed. We got three wide receivers. Okay, we're I going put three, three
2: wide. I put three wide. Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, we're going we're going, you know, going. after it. First one, uh, we both agree,
1: Odell Beckham Jr. Of course. Okay. Second one, we have a disagreement, Ooh. and I think he's right, and I think I might be wrong. He goes DeAndre Hopkins.
2: I go Mike Evans. Ooh, Mike Evans is on my list. He is on your list. Yes. Yes, he is. So you would be correct. And I have a, one other receiver, of course. All right. I guessed for
1: your other receiver, Julio Jones, and he guessed Stephon Diggs.
2: Oh, I'm going with Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. Man. That makes sense. He's I your just, number one receiver. I just, OBJ, Tyree Kill, I'm a sucker for speed. I'm yeah. a sucker for yards after the catch. And then I needed one size guy. And to me, you know, currently playing – Size guy and a size guy that has a rare ability to also just beat people with straight speed. Yeah, that's why I went with, with Mike Evans there. Kay. Yeah, yeah. Tight it hurt end. me to not have Julio. It hurt, but it yeah, did. Julio. Yeah. Was,
1: yeah, he can be on the practice squad. Yeah, he's on the practice squad. Uh, tight end, I I dropped the ball big time because there was one time and I don't remember when it was. I think it was like a year ago. Who knows even now. You were very passionately talking about Jimmy Graham, and I couldn't remember if <laughs> it, it was good that or bad. Yeah, you really liked something that he was doing or you really disliked something that he was doing. I've come to find out it was the latter. Yes. Um, so your Jimmy Graham. Guess Jimmy is Graham wrong. was my guess, and uh, Pete guessed George Kittle.
2: I went Gronk. Oh, Gronk! Kittle was thought about. Yeah. I like big tight ends. Yeah. I like big offensive lines. You know, I I am. I'm a believer in that. I want to maul you. I don't want just like, oh, we have good athletes and we position block and things like that. I want to be able to, on third and two, just go, no, we're we're coming straight and we're going to just drive you off the ball. And Gronk could help that. Right. let alone be you know this big target in the past game. He was not on my radar. I should have thought of that one.
1: All right, your offensive line here. Yeah. And I don't know that I went left tackle, right tackle, because I figure on your offense it's all interchangeable. Yes. We can move guys around. They can be flexible. They can. I mean, um, if a guy
2: can play left tackle, I'm sure he could shuffle
1: the other way and play right tackle. So I'll go the four tackles that we had. We said. We all said different people. Pete and I said different people. I, uh, here are the four. I said David Bakhtiari. Yeah. And I said Jason Peters. And he said... Ronnie Stanley, and Laramie Tunsil. Ooh, good ones.
2: You're all wrong. Really? None of those four? So, I'm a little biased with my tackles. One, because... Well, it's your
1: favorite players.
2: You should be. This it is, is. That's the whole point. And, like, so Trent Williams is one of them. Trent Williams. Okay. Oh, my gosh. I he know. was,
1: like, dominating
2: yeah. in right. camp already. Well, Trent Williams players. is just, you know, was put on the ra- my radar so long ago, early in his career, with, you know, the Shanahan family, with Washington, you know, with Washington. And Kyle just, you know, early on in his time there with Washington just going like, dude, this guy is, you know, a freak. you got to yeah. watch him when the season starts. And we haven't even played a game, and I think this guy's a Hall of Fame left tackle. Like nobody can get around him in practice. It's unbelievable, blah, 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 blah. And it just never stopped. And I know he took the year off last year, but he's back, and he's with the 49ers. So, yeah, he's my, one ta- my left tackle for okay. sure. My right tackle, I went sheer size. Trent Brown. Yeah, I did. I want road graders. That's what I'm going with. So, Trent Brown, you know, and I honestly probably didn't have as a dominant year last year as I would have expected him. uh, But still, really, really good. And, yes, I mean, awesome pass protector. And when he's motivated and going, man, he can open up some holes in the run game. Pete? Says the Trent Towers. The, you got ooh, the Trent Towers here. I like that. At this point, I think it might be worth it to fill out the whole
1: offensive line with Trent's. Oh. Can we? I don't know if we <laughs> can.
2: I think I'm out of Trent's.
1: Uh, Pete's upset too because he says Laramie Tunsell's a friend of the pod. He is a friend, pod. Friend I pod. Still, a friend of the pod. Still a friend of the pod. Still a friend of the pod. Still a friend of the pod. And yes. we love his game. We do. Uh, your guards. We have. Uh, three. We both agreed on Quentin Nelson. You're right Are about we right that. Right there. Okay. Yes. Yes. And then the other guard, he went with Zach Martin.
2: Mm-hmm. I went with Roger Saffold. Ooh, I mean, both good ones, and very nice on you on Roger Saffold because he's kind of been one of my man crushes for yeah. a long time. I though uh, went Brandon Brooks of the Philadelphia oh, Eagles here. Okay. No, you know, Brian Brandon Brooks. Anybody that used to listen to my podcast back in the old days and stuff like that. Before he even went to Philadelphia, Houston Texans, all that. Man, I've always loved Brandon Brooks. Now, he's hurt this year, which he stinks.
1: Is. We turned off injuries.
2: But as you could tell, yes. We've turned them off. I mean, when you talk about the size of my offensive line, yes. it's brutal. All right. In your center, we both agree. There's no way you're going to get this. Okay. Well, then we're wrong. Yeah. Jason Kelsey is what we both said. Be, he, was, he was on this He was second. Yeah. I'm going with Rodney Hudson as my number okay, one. Okay, all right. Yeah, Rodney Hudson, I the remember, Raiders. I remember. I was in Oakland when he came over there, and I remember he really transformed that offensive line. It was oh, like, built around yes. him. Yes, he's special. Yeah. He is a special offensive line. Came from Kansas City before. Was it Kansas City before that? Yeah. yeah, it was Kansas City, right? I'm, I'm totally I mean, got yeah. so many names and people in my head. So yeah, he came from Kansas City before that. But yes, as much as I love Jason Kelsey, mm-hmm. he's a better athlete than Rodney Hudson and things like that. Hudson, again, I go back to my size and road grading. Hudson can really root people out of the ground and move people. You know, Kelsey's not that kind of way. Kelsey's going to be able to do things in the screen game and on the edge that Rodney Hudson can't do. But as far as, like, pure downhill run blocking, Kelsey's more of a, I'm just going to get in your way, you won't make the tackle. Rodney Hudson's kind of like, I'm going to fire off the ball and you're going to be four yards downfield and I'm going to open up the hole myself. Was he was in Kansas City before that. Did you look? He was yeah, four right. years in Kansas yeah. City. I
1: don't know why I thought for a second I was wrong. He was a second o- second round pick, 55th overall in 2011, out of what college? I don't know.
2: Florida, Florida State. State. Damn. Damn. I, I was going to say it, but I chickened out. I you, guess, did, can, you did say you finished my sentence. I know, I know. You know what ch- made me chicken out is Cam Urban, who was there for a while. He was a Florida State guy, too.
1: So, I got five. Pete got four. Yeah. Okay, and he notes here, homie Diogo Mendez submitted a lineup and almost nailed it. So, he had Mahomes as your quarterback. Okay. That's a huge miss, though. I feel like that should disqualify him. <laughs> he doesn't even know me. I mean, you love Mahomes. But he had OBJ, Tyreek Hill, Mike Evans, nailed Ooh. your wide receivers. He had Kittle. Okay. He had running back AP. He had uh, Adrian Peterson. Oh. I, I, you know what? Honestly, mm. you want to you put him on. I, I will say so he kind of slipped watch.
2: my brain because it's like the good AP's been gone for a while. I'll let you, I'll nah, let you put Nah, it's all right. I'll stay with Saquon. I'm going to stay with what I originally put on no, there. No, you don't
1: have to, though. This is, you, you can make a cut. This is your team. You're nah, the GM. It's
2: okay. I'm going new age Saquon. Don't
1: okay, worry. All right. Yeah. Uh, Trent Williams, Ronnie Stanley. Quentin Nelson, Zach Martin, Jason
2: Kelsey. So, yeah, there's not he's bad. He's close. I mean, the close. ones the ones you guys guessed on, they were my second. I, I wrote Kittle down at first. And yeah. then I went, oh, wait, wait, Gronk's playing. And, yeah, Gronk's my favorite tight end I think I've ever seen play. And I think he's the greatest tight end I've ever seen play. All right, that's
1: good. So, we're going to stop this pod, and I'm going to clap soon. That's going to be the end of it. Um, but there's going to be another video yeah. that we're going to do. You at the whiteboard. Yeah. Right? You're we're going to stand break, up.
2: We're going to break down the process. Like, people have been asking about – what a quarterback goes through mentally after they break the huddle. Like, what are they focusing in on? And, you know, what's kind of their mental checkpoints from each phase right before the snap to, you know, breaking the huddle, getting everybody lined up, what is the quarterback looking at on defense, motions, all that stuff, all the context clues that help a quarterback, you know, uh, execute a play the right way and, and, and also within the context clues of what we're taught during the week, what to look for, That'll give us clues for other things to look for as well. So, uh, yeah, we're going to do that here in a second. And if
1: it's anything like the last time we did it, you will berate me at some point and make me look uh, dumb. Yes. Um, So you can check that out with a separate video. You can also check out Peter King. His podcast got a one-on-one with Patrick Mahomes. Man. Uh, Spoke of the third and 15 play in the Super Bowl, what he needs to improve upon in 2020. Also wraps up his training camp tour with an interview with uh, a friend of the podcast, Annie He does an interview with Annie? Wow. Annie is on the pod. That's pretty big time. She talks about her experience driving around with Peter for weeks on end. Oh,
2: oh, that's, 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 I hope they paid her double for that. You
1: earn a badge. You earn a, you earn a trophy. You 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 need to earn
2: something after that. I know that. Uh, Thursday. Thursday. Big Phil, maybe. Yeah, I think so. We should have Big Phil back in the fold. Roto-World's
1: Josh Norris, maybe.
2: Bam. Some fantasy talk. Fantasy. I like that. We're getting,
1: we're getting close. I mean, we're draft time for yeah. a lot of teams out there. Yeah. And then, um, time permitting, the Rapid City Rushmore's defense. Yeah, we'll so do that. Think about that. Yep. I want to try to be better than five. I got a good. I got five a, was pretty good. If I was good. I'm happy with that.
2: Yeah. Don't beat yourself up. All right. All right, you it. ready? Yeah, let's do it. Let's clap <laughs> it up. <laughs> well done, everyone. Way to go. Way to go. That's it for Chris Sims. Look at us, Chris Sims, Ahmed Fareed. Our pits are clean today. Yeah. Ahmed's wearing his beautiful yachting pants. Yes. Uh, I could go on a boat. You could Very go on New a boat England, today. Yeah. New looking, England. Yeah. You're looking kind of boating. Looking good.
1: You encroached on me here a little bit. You
2: Did moved, I get close to you? You moved to five and a half feet. Yeah. yeah. Would I get in trouble if I came over and hugged you right now? Like would they be like, all right, no more podcasts edit in person? It out. They'd edit it out. <laughs> You're right. All right, <laughs> that's it. We'll be back Thursday. Us two fools, and you yeah, can cool. see. Our people here are growing, but we'll be back Thursday. Hopefully, Big Phil and a number of other things to hit. Everybody be good. Enjoy the next few days. Keep sending questions. Instagram, Twitter, whatever it is, we want to answer them. We're going to keep doing this stuff all the time. Peace out. Peace out.
0: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?